had periods. I'm sorry, I'm not going to want to put that inside me. Hello and welcome to Great Culture, the podcast where three women drink wine, talk about feminism and pop culture. I'm Alex. I'm Kim. And I'm Sam. Hope you enjoy the episode. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the book Sweetening the Pill or How We Got Hooked on Hormonal Birth Control by Holly Grigg Spall. But before we get into the book, Kim, tell us about the wine we got this week and how it likes to open itself. Uh. Yeah, so we have some very special self-opening Prosecco. (laughs) Um, Just before we started recording this episode, we decided to record a new intro and I sort of prepped the wine to open and the cork popped out of its own accord, hit my ceiling, bounced back, nearly hit the window and landed next to Alex's foot. So we nearly died. So we nearly died for you. (laughs) So I hope you're grateful. (laughs) (laughs) We have tried something a little bit different. We've got two bottles of the same Prosecco. That is the 789 Prosecco by Mondelli. It's a vegan Prosecco. Classic Italian sparkling wines, fresh and fruity with a floral nose and flavours of soft peach and apricot combined with zesty citrus. What I'd like to do is we're going to start by drinking the Prosecco as is while we talk about the book a little bit and the book as a book, as a piece of literature rather than the message behind it. And then per per the book and how it compares sort of natural birth control and natural hormone cycles to synthetic or adjusted hormone cycles via taking the birth control pill, after the break, we are going to add some alcoholic liqueurs to the Prosecco and see how that changes the flavour and how it, whether or not it improves it or, or whether it sweetens it, or sweetens one might it. say. Exactly. It's almost like you caught on. Oh my God. Love it. And yeah, we'll see what the difference is and which we like best. Good. Wow. Sound like a plan? Sounds wonderful. Cheers. 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 Prosecco. Prosecco. Fruity Prosecco. Not very dry. Agreed. Fruity at the back of the throat as well. That's how I like it. Wouldn't be my first choice. I've had this Prosecco before and I got through a bottle and a half. On your own? Yeah. So what is the book about, Alex? Well, from the blurb, uh, millions of healthy women take a powerful medication every day from their mid-teens to menopause, the pill. But few know how this drug works or the potential side effects. Contrary to cultural myth, the birth control pill impacts on every organ and function of the body, and yet most women do not even think of it as a drug. Depression, anxiety, paranoia, rage, panic attacks, just a few of the effects of the pill on half of over the 80% of women who pop these tablets during their lifetimes. When the pill was released, it was thought that women could not uh, submit to taking a medication each day when they were not sick. Now the pill is making women sick. However, there are a growing number of women looking for non-hormonal alternatives for preventing pregnancy. In a bid to spark the backlash against hormonal contraceptive, this book asks, why can't we criticise the pill? Depression, anxiety, paranoia, rage, panic attacks. That's just my normal Friday. <laughs> are you on the pill? I am, but we'll get well, on to that. Well! But mm. we will get on to that. Um, so, first thing I think we should probably touch on is, but what did you think of the book? I thought that it was interesting but repetitive and argumentative i think like it was making an argument which is obviously the point of of any kind of non-fiction most of the time mm-hmm. it felt like a tirade at certain points and this is coming from someone who like i chose this book and i chose to read about it partially because of my own experiences yeah i thought it, i thought it was really interesting i thought it was important like i'm glad i read it mm. i don't know if it was as well written as I had hoped. I think maybe the main, my main criticism, it felt a bit repetitive. Yeah, it actually... Um, so I've uh, read Al- Alan Carr's uh, Quit Smoking book or um, what, whatever it's called, Stop Smoking Now or something like that. And obviously it works as a kind of repetitive kind of getting the message across in your mind. And it kind of mi- reminded me of that. It was mm. almost like it was self-help book for getting off your addiction to the pill mm-hmm. almost because she does speak a lot about addiction and everything so I kind of found myself thinking oh maybe I am addicted and then I was like oh okay maybe that's kind of also the way it's working and maybe the reasoning behind the repetitiveness yeah like necessary for me I suppose yeah. as an argument or as backstory or information some of it I was like wow I have been completely naive mm. Um, and started questioning things to do with my contraceptive taking 
over the years, which we'll get on to talking about. But yeah, at some points I did find my brain wandering. Yeah. Yeah, so when I so I bought this book, I flicked through it and thought, oh my god, it looks fucking dry. Yeah, and then I said to Kim, it looks really dry, I'm going to have to read other books around it and break it up. And she went, no, no, it's very interesting, if a bit repetitive. And I went, okay then, I'll try and read it all in one go. So I did read it all in one go, and that go was this Sunday, and it was hard to Mm. read it all in one go. Not necessarily because I felt so traumatised by the topic, but just because I was, it doesn't lend itself to an all-in-one-go read. So just to give a brief outline for people who probably haven't read the book, it is one that I think that I probably recommend. If if any of what we're talking about sounds interesting, I do recommend reading it. I think it is one of the texts for, for this topic. Sweetening the Pill is a investigation, a manifesto on the hormonal birth control pill known colloquially as the pill. Serizet, Yasmin, Microgynin, I think is is what it is. And by association, hormonal birth control as a whole, so things like the implant, coil, the the mini pill as it's called in the UK, any kind of contraception that, that affects your hormones in order to Stop do, its, do, do its thing. Um, and generally a look at why why it became so popular, why it is kind of pushed onto people so early, all the sort of propaganda around it, and a bit of an expose on the side effects that people don't attribute to the pill that can be attributed to the pill. A look at why healthy people take a pill every day. And it's it's from the approach very much anti-pill. Uh, mm. I don't, you know, I don't think that's unfair to say. It's only about 200 pages long. Feels a lot longer. 199 to yeah. be exact. In hindsight, do read around it. But how, what did we think of the title? Oh, when I was reading it, I was sending messages to um, Kim and Alex saying... This is what I think of this bit and this bit. And one of the messages I sent you was, it should have been called Hard to Swallow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a better title. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but Sorry, it's... Holly. Sorry, Holly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought that would have been much more in keeping with the message in the book. And also a pun on the pill thing. And I just th- I think it would have worked better because sweetening the pill makes it sound like it, the book is talking about it trying to make the pill, the 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 pill seemed like a more attractive option mm. rather than... But maybe that's around. what she was getting at. She was saying that everyone in society is sweetening the Yeah, pill. that's, no, that's what that. she's yeah. referencing. This is, yeah. To me, this reading that with no Doesn't, subject... With no context. Like the, the book yeah, okay. The pill. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was my feeling, is that Hard to Swallow would have been better. Um, I, I'm okay with it. I don't have any strong feelings either way. Mm. I, think it's, I think it's interesting that they chose a nice pink book and we've spoken about this in the past. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Other questions that we normally ask are normally centred around fiction, but one of the questions that we always ask when we talk about memoirs and essays and that stuff is why do we think the author chose to write this book? And I think that that is probably the most interesting part of the argument around this book. But I also think it's very, very obvious. Yeah. I don't think there's any kind of... No mystery. Question or mystery about mm. why she chose to write it. And that main reason is to, I think, well, primarily educate women on the aspects of the hormonal, of hormonal birth control that they haven't been aware of or may not or, have been aware of. Made aware of. And aware also of. to dissuade them from using it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. At first I thought that it would just be inform. And I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be an argument. I thought it would just be inform, make your own decisions. And then I actually do think it, it took a little bit for it to be truly coming down on don't don't do it. Because it took a while. And the reason I say that is, is because she took a while to say, of course, if you want to do it, then that's fine for you. And because it took so long for that to come, like that was right in the last two chapters, I think, was the yeah. first time she actually said, if you want to take the pill, plenty of people take the pill. They like it. They have no side effects. That's up to them. That argument coming so late in the book made it very clear that that wasn't her like core belief and her agenda very much was don't take the pill. What I also think though was interesting is that her argument throughout most of the book was don't take the pill, you know, like the pill is bad. This is why it's bad. These are all the things that are bad. It took her a long time to get to the, the alternative as well. Yes, like that was the last. There was a lot of breaking down of all the different hormonal birth controls without really talking about the alternative until quite near the end. She talks about condoms quite a lot, but still not not that much in comparison to the rest of what she's talking about. It is the minimum. She spends so much of the time talking about how the pill is sold to us, the 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 downsides, the 
the rhetoric around it and then doesn't consider really the alternatives until right like in depth anyway until the end of the no i suppose you know i was reading this like i said as if it was a dissertation Mm. and so maybe in that respect then her title was wrong Mm. because her title should be should have been like an argument statement and then she should have discussed it and then within her conclusion then she offers alternatives what i was taught when i was writing and what i know anyway from my career working in content and writing is yes you make an argument but you also make you also consider the counter argument and you examine the validity of the other side and i think that there are times when she did this but she always did it from the point of view of big pharma and Mm. drug companies and doctors and that side of it to me there was no consideration of the of the human side of Mm. it of like the the reason that the women might want to do this it was more about the messaging and i don't think that the counter-argument was fleshed out properly. Yeah, the reason that, like, when she did consider the reason why women might might want to be on the pill, she did kind of imply that they had been brainwashed by the patriarchy a little bit there. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with writing a book that is an argument and an expose and with an agenda. I don't, I, that's not really, a, it's not meant to be a criticism. Like I say, I, I found a lot to relate to in this book, but I was expecting more of a history and a weighing up of both sides and I think given that I was reading it already with a sort of opinion about my own approach to hormonal birth control anyway I would have appreciated more of a balanced argument rather than trying to convince me not to be on the pill yes but her agenda her um purpose in writing the book was to convince people not to be on the pill and I think for yeah. that purpose, what she's written is is well structured. I will jump in there and say, I, Kim, I know that you're not on hormonal yeah. contraception, but did it make any of us any more likely to give up hormonal contraception? Contraception when we're on. Yes. Yeah. I well, not that I think it succeed. I think I think the reasoning behind her maybe not offering other sides of the argument early on is because we've almost had these benefits of the pill our whole life Mm. like you go into a doctor's and as a teenager and you know you're told this is a good thing because of this this and this or we understand these these benefits which definitely there are like we had a conversation i'm not a fan of condoms in terms of when we're talking about sex not everything else that they say it has a benefit for I think it's a really good thing. But it made me very aware that even though I knew all the pluses, I actually was very unaware of the minuses. Mm -hmm. And I've been taking this pill for 12 years Mm -hmm. or something. And so I think that's why her argument was so one-sided, because we... To provide the information that we haven't been given. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think that's a fair point. I think that's true. And she makes... There was one line in it which I've tabbed somewhere, but it was along the lines of, there are no side effects, there are just effects. Mm. And Mm. that's something that I think she made a particularly valid point around was this idea that we're told, "Ah, you know, don't worry about the side effects, they'll be fine. But it's like, actually, no, they they are just an effect. They're just an effect. Because there are side effects that make them any less. Because mm. you think on oh, side effects yeah. are, 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 are lesser, yeah, yeah. But they're not going to happen to me. Yeah, and actually, do we know if any of these side effects? Like, when did you start the pill, Sam? I, I was. Uh, we'll get onto this in the second half yeah. in detail, but I was um, fifteen. Well, exactly. Like I was fifteen as well. So actually, being com- not fully fully formed or developed mm. or whatever, what is truly us and what is mm. truly an effect of the pill that we've been taking for years? I have to say as well. Um, I know that I'm. Sam you mentioned I went off the pill a few years ago now I have been considering mostly due to something that my doctor said like oh she was have you considered the 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 non-hormonal implant and having read this book it's I was on the fence and I wasn't really sure about it anyway but I was sort of considering it and I'm more certain that I don't want to Mm -hmm. if I had read this book a couple of years ago when I was still on the pill but suffering on the pill but kind of like, oh, well, I should just keep taking it because that's what you do. Or actually, if I'd read this when I first went on the pill, I would have come off it a lot sooner. Mm. And for all that I've, you know, I criticise that her alternative methods don't come till quite late in the day, that criticism is borne out of the fact that I was reading this book in the hopes that I would get more information about alternatives. And I did get information about not, you know, I don't want to do the implant. Mm. But I was hoping for more information about how else, besides just condoms, I can I can protect myself. Yeah. I'm perfectly happy with, and you know, we'll talk about this later, but I'm perfectly happy with the system that I've got. And I'm fairly in tune with my fertility. 
and my cycle anyway mm. but i was looking for more information and that's probably where that criticism criticism mm. is born out of yeah Kim, you said a really interesting thing about your body not, you know, reacting well to the pill. And there was a thing I took a little photograph of because I was using Kim's copy and didn't want to tab on tab. (laughs) And she says, it's quite interesting actually, she says side effects when she says they shouldn't be called side effects. Mm -hmm. But when experiencing the side effects from hormonal contraceptives, women have a tendency to blame what they view as their own overly hormonal, unpredictable, difficult bodies Mm -hmm. that in reacting negatively to these drugs are behaving badly. It is their bodies that are not good enough for the drugs. Mm. And that is so true because we kind of go... Oh God, if I just keep on going, my body will get used to it. And oh, yeah. my, my fucking stupid body not being able to cope with this drug. And like, it's mm. not the drug's fault because we've been told that they're okay. They're the good thing. They're yeah. going to make us... fine on it. Why what exactly? It's my language. It's like It's the fault? language that we use for, for everything. It's not just this, but like we'll use it for, oh, well, I just, oh, I just can't drink like Sambuca. I'm terrible on it. Yeah, it's our or, fault, our body's fault. Yeah, like, or I just, not oh, I the, can't... The, the awful substance that we're pumping into our body, yeah. be it Sambuca or the pill. <laughs> I, or, or like, oh, I can't eat hot dogs because they just don't agree with me. It's like, well, actually, maybe it's because they're processed to fuck and yeah. that's not necessarily a good thing for your body. Yeah, I know, me too. I shouldn't have said hot dog. Uh, <laughs> that was an odd choice. I didn't yeah. know where that came from. Uh, it's probably because I want hot dogs. <laughs> so. Our critique of the book in terms of the, the way the argument was constructed, I think all of us also commented that, and this is not the fault of the writer per se, it's the fault of the editor and the publisher, um, we've commented on the fact that there are grammatical errors in it and uh, typos and things like that, which only undermine her argument, in my yeah. opinion. And, and like us this. being a bit grammar Nazi-ish, we obviously yeah. like got a little bit preoccupied with that. Yeah. Should, yes, if the argument's not even spelled correctly, how can I take it? So well, we've literally yeah. all worked in copy as well. Well, so. exactly. Yeah. But what are the positives that you saw in the book? I had a lot of positives about this book. The length was right frankly any longer and it you know it wouldn't have been accessible it looks accessible it looks like an accessible book to read to inform and it is backed up by a lot of research that you can independently go look at would you have read this though as a young person considering going on the pill because i don't think i would have i mean do people know it exists though this is the thing no, well this like... book was only published in 2013 bear in mind okay. we were talking about being going on the pill when we were like years and years ago but I... like also is it yeah. but do people that are like maybe 15 now know this exists like That's, i doubt it I'm, what i'm saying is if you had seen it oh. at 15 would you have gone no I'll because be i first. always think i'm right and the doctor telling me that <laughs> i can like not not to get it. pregnant and bang my boyfriend like <laughs> obviously i'm gonna go on that first of all i didn't go on the pill Till I was 19 or 20. Oh. I was never told that it would make me slim or yeah. give me bigger boobs. I was told Actually, that it was told that make me put on weight. Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was always told the exact opposite. Um, but I think, would I have sought this book out? No. Would I have read it if it had been handed to me? Yes. I think extracts of it or a book similar to this or this kind of information should be handed out in sex ed. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We are three women from the UK reading this. The writer is also from the UK, but she is talking primarily about America, US, yeah. um, the US medical system because she lives there and she's married to an American man. Do you think that damages, not damages the argument, but do you think it made us hard, it harder for us to relate to? Because I certainly did. Mm-hmm. I found that she was speaking about, like, she talks quite a lot about the cosmetic appeal of being on the pill. And she and actually like harps adverts. on about that quite a lot yeah. as it's being sold as a wonder drug that'll make you slimmer and give you bigger tits and make your skin clear up. That's never... That's not part of the rhetoric of the yeah. UK. Yeah, and we don't see the adverts. We don't have adverts. Like that. We don't have We're not sold the pushes. pill in the same way. Yeah. Apart from doc- potentially doctors, we don't know. Yeah, no, well, but I But even was. then, I don't know, because my doctor was like, well, you could go on Sarah's out or you could go on exactly the same thing, but called something else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we can, we'll talk about our own stories. But I agree with you, Sam, because I, I noticed that as well. And I think a few times on the podcast, Alex, you've talked about how you struggle to identify with... Americanisms in writing. Yeah. Normally I don't have that problem because I don't, well, I just don't. It's just not the way my brain's Mm. wired compared to yours. Mm. But this is one experience where I was like, I just cannot relate to that. 
and it didn't I'm so please because I was gonna say that and I was like I feel like I say this all the time yeah. and people in America are gonna think I'm weirdly like like have a prejudice no, against really. Americans but, but like I definitely system. felt that it's yeah. a really different experience and the facts just don't relate to us the, yeah like, and the care around women on the pill I think is different in the UK as well mm-hmm. we will also go on to that later one one thing that really struck in terms of a positive as well uh, and led me to obviously kind of re-evaluate certain things is this whole focus on the fact that why are we taking a pill when we're not sick but one particular quote that really kind of stood out for me which was if the dormant quiet and weak uterus is healthy is the active energetic and strong uterus unhealthy Mm. and I was just like that's crazy because we see ourselves as like we want to look after our bodies and look after ourselves and I hopefully all of us consider ourselves to be quite healthy but yet we have no fuck we're all like we're all nearly kind of like late 20s early 30s and yet I suddenly had the realization that I knew nothing Mm. about like what this thing is doing to my body and actually what my natural cycle is Mm. and that was shocking for me Mm. actually so the positive thing for me about the book was the realization in in a person that thought who knew herself inside out Mm. uh, definitely doesn't I think my positives were that they there was obviously a hell of a lot of research that mm-hmm. went into this. This is a well structured for the well structured for the most part, well researched book. I did see it as like anti propaganda in terms against the drug companies. It's it's that kind of argument, which I don't think is a bad thing at all because you know there is a tendency to put people on a pill at the slightest sign of any mild inconvenience, which is mm. kind of what she's talking about, and that's, mm-hmm. that is something that's true in the NHS as well as I imagine in the. American healthcare system. I disagreed quite a lot with some of the statements in the book and I think that makes it hard for me to find a lot of positives. Mm. I'm not disagreeing with the fact that women struggle on the pill. A lot of women do because of what it is, because of the nature of it. But there are a lot of generalising comments that I personally didn't agree with, which made it hard for me to back the argument as a whole. Mm. And I can I can completely understand the validity of it, but I just I, it didn't work for me. Do you think that this book taught you something that you didn't know before? Yes. Yes. I do too. Good. Well done, Holly. That's, yeah, well done. <laughs> well done. Well done. And that, that's not producer Holly, that is Holly Griggs Sport. Yeah, yes. sorry. We, sorry. <laughs> so, how did we find the 789 Mondelli Prosecco as is? Un. un what's the word I'm looking for? Unchanged. In its rawest form. Unedited. Un- un- untouched un- by un- human hand. Unfucked with. How did we find the Prosecco unfucked with? Un- <laughs> the unfucked with Prosecco. Yeah. Yes, I liked it. I thought it was a decent Prosecco. It's hard to be too excited about it, but it was very drinkable and I would drink it again. I thought it was quite a meaty Prosecco. Like, See, meaty. I think, yeah, I think it's like the fruitiness of it. Like, because it's more fruity than dry, I prefer dry. So it was not my favourite Prosecco that I've ever had. But again, all Prosecco is Prosecco. So, yeah, probably fine. Alex? Yeah, I mean, I've had it before. I uh, would buy it again. I enjoyed it tonight. So would we say it's not a perfect match to the book because we'd enjoy it again? <laughs> I'd, say it's, I'd say it's not a perfect match to the books because it's a bit Palatable. middle middle ground. It's a bit average. It doesn't come down on either side. Yeah, that's true. Which is definitely not Let's true. Let's see how it all fare when we sweeten Tinker it up it. a bit. So we will go for a break now and we'll be back in a minute. So we're back, kind of, Hello. sort of, not really. Hello. Um, we are just about to pour our second drinks. Uh, we have another yeah. bottle of the 789 Prosecco um, by Mondelli, and Five, we have six, two options for liqueur, but Alex has very firmly handed me one of them, so I feel like that's probably the one we're going with. <laughs> so we've got two flavoured liqueurs, fl- floral liqueurs, in fact. We have one, which is the uh, Saint-Germain Elderflower Liqueur, which is a French elderflower liqueur. Does what it says on the tin. Yeah. It so, looks like something you'd get on the Orient Express. It is it is very art deco mm. and um fancy. I've had it in gin and tonics before and oh, I think yes. it's that would work. really nice in gin and tonics. It's a bit more delicate than the other one, so I think we'll start with this one and then we'll move on to the other Good one. Plan. All right. Um the second liqueur that we have is also a French liqueur, which is a Provence lavender liqueur called Lavande. Liqueur de Lavande like by Manguin Distillery. Lavande is lavender in French. It's not called Lavande. Lavande! In Savia Florel, et un soleil incontournable de la Provence, excellent et comme en cuisine. Excellent. My rough translation there is 
floral liqueur excellent in a cœur royale or with food. We're going to start with the elderflower liqueur. We'll get on to our first topic and then when we move on to the lavender, I will interrupt us. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that is sweet. I think if we'd had a dry Prosecco, that would be better. Yeah, it's mm. quite sweet. It is definitely sweetening this Prosecco. It's like sweetening the, book the title. Like, yeah. yeah. I did put quite a hefty dose of it in as well. It's quite jammy. It is quite jammy. This needs some rosemary in it or something. Balance it out. Mm. I've got rosemary. Pop a sprig in my drink. That is better. Well mm. done. You're welcome. <laughs> so we sweetened the drink and then we immediately, and then we immediately it. savoured the drink. <laughs> Herbed it. What can I say except it's better? So what are we going to call this cocktail? I feel like we should give it a name in honour of the book. Maybe Yasmin. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yasmin. My dude doesn't make me feel depressed or enlarge my breasts. You wait until the morning. <laughs> <laughs> mm. it, it enlarges your breasts if you put on weight. Which would if you drink enough alcohol. of them. Oh, okay. So I'll drink yeah. shit tons of this and then I'll feel depressed and I have shit hot tits. Sounds great. Yeah. Shit hot tits. So, yeah, the Yasmin is what we have here. The Yasmin, yes. Our very Yasmin. first Grape Culture original cocktail. Cheers. 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 Before we get into the side effects, would we all like to share our own experiences with hormonal contraception? Who's on it? Who's not? Yes. Who wants to go first? So, so uh, as mentioned previously, I went on the pool, pill... I mean both. No, I went on the pill because I was in a very long term relationship uh, with my first boyfriend, and I was fifteen years old. And it, you know, it's the it's the thing that you do. I consulted my mum. I was like, this is something I want to do, and she was like, obviously, oh, that's obviously safer than just allowing my fifteen year old daughter to be in charge of like condoms or whatever <laughs> it might be. Uh, which the book touches on quite a lot. And actually, you know, this, this people, teenagers not really having a choice. And so I went to the doctors, I had all the checks. They were definitely up for the fact that I was choosing to go on the pill. I remember she also mentioned the injection, but in my kind of vanity as a 15 year old girl, I remember my other friend went on the injection and did put on about like two stone. Um, so I was like, no way, I'm just going to go on the pill. I, obviously, it was a really, really long time ago, but I do have a recollect, recollection of just suddenly feeling very sad and depressed. And that was something I had never experienced before. Mm. And definitely thinking, this is obviously a side effect of the pill. And I'm going to wait it out and see what happens. I also had kind of intermittent bleeding mm-hmm. that wasn't okay. Or, or, you know, I, it was disturbing, I suppose, yeah. as a young girl. It's not what you went on the pill for. Exactly. Yeah. But then, and then I think I changed pills and everything. I've never, apart from that one small kind of blip, I suppose, of feeling slightly depressed and having this memory of that, as far as I'm aware, I have n- then never felt anything that I could contribute to the pill. Mm. I think it's really interesting that the book touches on you know, people coming off it and then suddenly feeling completely elated. And that makes me curious Mm. because I definitely feel happy within myself and I don't have anxiety and I don't have depression. And, you know, a lot of these women that uh, she quotes in the book do. Are you even a millennial if you don't have anxiety or depression? Oh, well, no, exactly. I might just be strange (laughs) and abnormal. Um, You are a golden retriever. retriever. And we hope that you stay that way. Thank you. That sounds oddly threatening. (laughs) Stay that way! Um, But weirdly, weirdly, so two things. One, I remember, basically, I was really lazy as well and couldn't be bothered to keep on going to the doctors to get, like, my repeat Mm. prescription. So I have had bouts of being off the pill uh, for, like, a couple of months at a time or whatever and used other methods. And I went to the doctors to get my pill again once and I'd been off it for probably about, like, four months And the doctor actually said to me, because she said, why did you take a break? And I said, well, one, I just haven't had time to come and get it. And two, I thought maybe my body needed a break because I've been on it for years and years and years. And she went, no, your body is happier when it's on the pill. Oh, fuck off. I know. And at the time I was like, well, this is a doctor. She obviously knows what she's talking about. And like looking back on it, not just from reading this book, but obviously it sparked the memory. I'm like, fucking hell. Mm. Like... 
but she gave me no kind of backup for that or yeah. or anything and didn't so me that. didn't examine that yeah. so me as i think i was in my early 20s at the time or maybe even like 90 like 19 or something i was like well she's a doctor she must know so i should continue taking it mm. for the, for the, till the end of time <laughs> Um, Till my uterus shrivels and falls well, from my body. Well, that's exactly like no one knows the massive long-term effects really well, of it no because studies, it ev- yeah. and it evolves so much. Like they yeah. change the pill all the time, and we just trust that it's a safe thing that we're pumping into our body day in day out. Mm. I will say that you know the book touches quite a lot on lowering sex drive. I think when I am on it, my sex drive is lower. So that is probably a side effect or, or an effect I have noticed. Um, I'm currently, weirdly, off it at the moment, not oh, yeah. through choice. Again, just because I haven't got my act together, I've gone <laughs> to the doctors to get it. So uh, I've only been off it for probably like three weeks or something. And have you noticed any difference in that time? No, weirdly, I feel more foggy at the moment. Oh. But then I'm like, well, maybe from reading this, maybe it's because my body is like weaning itself off it. Oh, because it is a, that, a chemical yeah. that I've been pumping into my body for years and years. So yeah. I don't know. So maybe I'm actually considering now waiting it out like for a couple of months to see if I feel any better. And having read this book, it will probably make you more aware of how you're feeling if mm. you are feeling a certain way because you'll be like, oh, I wonder if that's because of the thing. Well, yeah, because we never put it down to it because we've been on it for so many bloody years. <laughs> So, yeah, so that that's kind of, in a nutshell, my story. What about you, Sam? So I went onto the pill, like I said, when I was 15. Uh, not my choice, my mother's choice. Oh! oh yes. What? How did um, that come about? Apparently... So you're too thought, sexually active, take this pill. Mummy thought I was a big old hoe. <laughs> um, no, my mum was like, I was with a boyfriend at the time, my first boyfriend who I was with for a number of years, like you, Alex. Um, and I'd been with him for about a year. Um, which when you're 15 is a long period of time. Um, And my mum, we we had this really awkward conversation. I remember we were sat side by side on a bench in the garden and she was just like, I I think, uh, I think you should go the pill. And I was like... Out of nowhere, like this conversation. I can't remember, I can't remember the build up. Yeah, okay, fair. You know, half my lifetime ago. Um, And... Oh gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, isn't that depressing? And I was just like, "Mm mm-hmm. Um, and then she was like, sorry, I remember what it was like being 15. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> okay, uh, didn't need that, thanks. Um, so I went on the pill because of that. Um, what to save awkwardness. Yeah, basically. Don't talk anymore, I'll take it. La, 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 And then, yeah, I went on the pill. Um, I was originally put on the combined pill, which I think is the one you're on, Alex. You're on microgynin. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was put on that. And then was taken off it quite quickly because I started getting migraines. And in the UK, we're told there's there's as we've said, there's a lot more healthcare around people being on the pill. I think not necessarily a shit ton, and not necessarily as much as much as there should be, but we are encouraged to check in regularly with doctors when we're on it. Yeah, specifically around anything to do with blood pressure, which migraines are a symptom thereof, yes, etc. Exactly, and there Heart was there has been. Stuff. The, the the concern was that because it was a family history of strokes, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that I shouldn't be on it. So I was taken off it, but they were like, rather than being taken off it completely, they went, well, Try this you. other one. Well, yeah, but they put me on the mini pill, mm. which doesn't have estrogen. And mm. estrogen is not, I'm not saying that the mini pill doesn't have its problems, but it's estrogen is the, the thing that is linked with most of the problems that are talked about in the book. Progestrogen, which is the hormone that the mini pill either generates or contains I don't I don't know well see this is the um, thing like neither of us no, know no, no, and we pump our bodies full of but it but I can tell you exactly what it does and that is so the combined pill stops ovulation that gives you this fake period every month if you stop mm-hmm. um, which is a weird it's so weird weird hangover to, to have in there yeah basically, yeah, basically stops you ovulating stops you being able to get pregnant the mini pill you ovulate as normal you take it all the way throughout your cycle but what it does and it's kind of grim but you know Hey, we're talking about wombs. Is it creates a thicker mucus around the cervix so sperm can't get through, mm. and it also um, adjusts the um, the balance of the the lining of the uterus so that if, if an egg is fertilized, it can't land and plant mm. uh, implant. Weirdly, I knew I knew about that more than the than pill the one that I'm taking. Isn't that weird? It's so yeah, weird. Really weird. Um, so I'm on that one, which kind of leaves my cycle just doing its own thing mm. for the most part. I mean, I've always known, my, mine has always been, again, 
listeners, TMI, it's one of those days, but mine has always been exactly 28 days. Always comes on a Friday. Always in time to ruin the weekend. Without fail, even on the pill. But I'm, and off the pill. I'm almost weirdly jealous that you know that about your body. And I have but no again, idea. I'm on a different kind of contraception. Yeah, yeah. But I, even though I'm on a different pill, I still take regular breaks from it. I'll take breaks for up to like six months just because I feel like my body needs it. And also I want to check in mm. and I want to see if it's like, oh, maybe that's why I'm putting on weight. Normally it's not. Normally it's booze and dominoes. <laughs> um, but I do that maybe every two, three years. Okay, that's good. So I check in and it doesn't have any adverse side effects for me. And it's fine. And to my knowledge, I've never been pregnant. So it does the job. So this is what I mean about the, the stories that she's talking about in the book being very, very different from my experiences. Because she's not talking about the contraception I am on. She mm. only very lightly glosses over it. And it means that a lot of the arguments she's talking about with regard to the cosmetic side of it and this idea of stopping periods being a... Patriarchal construct. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't apply to me because I have periods as normal I to, to all intents and purposes it's like I'm not on it but like, obviously yeah, I am on it maybe, but... maybe I should look into yours actually well, because I mean, I'm sure it's got its drawbacks but I've always yeah of really course well with it, so... and I suppose I suppose the thing that f- from the book mm-hmm. what made me really really aware is the fact that I am so unaware of my natural body and my natural mm-hmm. cycle um and that's quite scary and so actually what you're talking about is more attractive to me yeah uh, but because also, it's more na- uh, natural, really. Yeah, it's more. It's, it may be closer to the natural state, but also, as I just said, and as Kim just reacted, is the fact that I don't know what the drawbacks are. Because yeah, I that's true. Had I mean, uh, and yeah, I have two things to talk about before I just give you, like, really quickly, just mm. before I give you my sad story. Number one, in terms of if you want to get to know your cycle really well, I use a period tracker on my phone called Clue, which my I friend was talking about this today. Actually, use, I have used since two thousand and fifteen, and I you can track everything: track pain, tiredness, illness, acne, cravings, and your period. It's really helpful. It's it's it helps me get to know my body really well. Did when I was on the pill. Does now that I'm not. The other thing was I can't oh yeah it was a com- comment on the book which is that for all that it talks about hormonal birth control in the subtitle it very much does like you identified Sam hone in on the pill the combined pill and even more specifically two types of that two types of that yeah and that is another one of those things where it's like good idea interesting could could, could have been better. could have been yeah. done better so my my history with the pill is Quite different. First of all, I did also have an awkward chat with my mum when I had my high school boyfriend, which was pretty much, you know, you can talk to me, right? Yeah. Do you need to go to the doctor? No. Cool. (laughs) That's that. And then I called her from uni three years later being like, mum, I really need to speak to you. Can you, uh, like, can you answer the phone? And she didn't answer. She called me back and she was like, did you need to speak to me about sex? (gasps) Oh God, (laughs) how did she know? And I was like, no, I needed to speak to you about this recipe that Naomi needed. I had a question about this recipe. I was like, I know about sex. Oh. I I didn't go on the pill until I was about 19 or 20. I'm not sure exactly when, but it was in the first year of that relationship, which was between the time of 19 and 20. And I was on microgynin or Cerazet. I forget which one. Excuse they're me. the I two kind of most common. They're the they? two most common in the UK combined pills, I think, mm-hmm, for the yeah. time. And this was, we're talking 2009, 2008, yeah. 2009. I shouldn't really have been on the combined pill because I have a history of migraines. My OP died of a stroke. We have heart disease in our family. Both my parents have high blood pressure. Didn't know shit all about this whilst I was at uni. Mm. Um, Did the doctor ask you these questions? The doctor asked me if I had any history of heart disease and stuff in my family. I didn't know about my parents. My OP died when I was four. Right, okay. Um, And I knew about the migraines, but I lied. Because fuck it. Because give me contraception. Because you were taught at school that the combined pill is the best one, is the most effective, and I wanted that one. Yeah. So don't want to have babies. Want to be independent. Woman. I was like, I can deal with a migraine. I thought, fuck it. And I hadn't had a migraine for years as well. So I was like, meh. But it's probably just like a blip. Yeah. Whilst I was on it during that relationship, I had bouts of depression. But I'd already had bouts of depression. The pill did not cause it, but it may have exacerbated it. Mm. One thing that did happen, and this is quite personal, but I lost interest in sex. 
And I've always been, as we've mentioned, a bit more reserved about it. But I genuinely stopped realising that I didn't want it. And that caused problems Mm -hmm. in the relationship that I was in. Mm -hmm. And was, you know, used against me. You're not interested. And it wasn't used against me in why have you lost interest? Is something going on? Is this also connected to the fact that you seem depressed or stressed or anything like that? It was just used as you're a shit girlfriend. Douchebag. Yes. Uh, Also, it was sold to me as it will make your periods less painful Mm. and it will clear up your skin. Both of which it did do. I used to have very, very painful periods when I was at school and I had very, very light fake periods whilst I was on the microfinan. Mm. Then we broke up for obvious reasons. I stayed on the pill after that relationship because, partially because I thought we were going to get back together, um, partially because I liked the fact that it does it does give you a regular period and that was great. Then I moved here and around the time that I start, I moved here, I they started noticing that my blood pressure was going up. And I moved here when I was 24, but they'd noticed, they'd started noticing, noticing it around 22. Um, but kind of like, oh no, it's probably fine. It's just a blip. You're mm. just a bit stressed. You've had too much coffee. But when I moved here, they really started to notice it. And they made me switch to the combi- to the mini pill that mm. Sam's on. That was sold to me as what will happen is you will have slightly erratic periods for the first three months and then you will have no periods and then everything will be fine. Bollocks. What actually happened was I was worse. So I'd already had pretty intense mood swings, as I've mentioned, you know, bouts of depression, bouts of anxiety, Mm. loss of sexual appetite, switched to the mini pill, more erratic mood swings, more... I had month-long periods with a break for a week and then another month-long period. That's so shit. For a good six months, I think. I was still in pain and I was... Just to remember... I was encouraged to stay on this pill. It'll sort itself out. Everything will be fine. You'll get get used to it. I wasn't having sex. There was no reason for me to be on this pill. Mm. It wasn't doing any of the things that it was supposed to do. The reasons that I stayed on the pill, it sorted out my period. It made my face better. It would protect me from pregnancy. It was doing none of those things and it was making me miserable. So I made the decision to come off it myself. I was like, there's no fucking point. I'm not dating anyone. I don't foresee dating anyone in the near future. That would be, uh, if I do, maybe that's the reason I'll do it. But I'd rather just see what my body does and see if that sorts out my bizarro periods. Called my doctor. He was like, oh, are you trying to get pregnant? Mm-hmm. I was like, no. Yeah, that must be the only reason that you would choose to come off it. My yeah. family doctor, who then went, how's your sister? How was the wedding? I was like, oh God. Came off it. And the repercussions for coming off it, my period tracker that I mentioned just now, you can see the difference. Like my my cycle mellowed out a couple of months later. Like actually in terms of, I have a very long cycle. It's 31 to 35 days. That's long. And I have very like heavy TMI, but I have very heavy period for the first two days and then everything just kind of goes away and everything's fine. And that's where all the pain is. That all mellowed out, but the mood repercussions lasted probably about a year. Whoa. Because I came off it in this Jan around January of 2016, and we went on holiday in um, what was September. it September? September, mm. and I am like sure that it was part of the the breaking of that dam that the hormonal birth control had kept on me that made that bout of depression that came and anxiety that came around that holiday mm. was not caused by the holiday but as you guys know was leading up to and then came to a, a sort of a crux mm. during the holiday was partially because my body was still adjusting to the hormones Gosh, and that's, that's so tough like that's crazy though yeah you. And, and like what it's doing to women and like, that's, that's one of the things that i found really difficult about the book because she was like after a couple of days i felt fine i was like bitch please like that was the most unrelatable part for me because i was like it it lasted for so long yeah so that's my my story with it mm. i so when dance? i read this i felt seen Good. in all the things and i hadn't always put together the fact that the pill and the sexual lack of interest had coincided but mm. now i can look at that timeline and see it really 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 clearly so yeah obviously the pill traditionally been around since the 50s 60s 
has been taken by women, there have been clinical trials, there has been investigation into a male contraceptive pill. But it was withdrawn because of um, the side effects, Mm. which were terrible acne, mood swings, all the things that are attributed also to the female pill. But apparently for men, they couldn't cope with it. So it was taken away from general circulation. And I remember seeing a comedian talk about this about three months ago. So it was weird to see it talked about in the book. Do you think that if there were a male pill available, do you think any of that pressure would be alleviated for women to take the hormonal pill, combined pill, whatever, or to use hormonal contraception? Or do you think it would remain exactly the same and only a few men would take it? I don't think it would remain exactly the same because I think that enough people are socially aware and want to be even Stevens. I don't think it would change radically overnight and become equal because I think that the onus would in the majority still fall on the woman in the same way that the onus on in the majority still falls on the woman to have a condom or do the washing up. Before we get on to talking about alternative methods of contraception, Kim has just poured some purple liquid into our glasses, which Alex just said looks like something from Harry Potter. It definitely smells like potpourri. So, so we, we came to the end of the first ever Great Culture cocktail, which was Ooh. the Yasmin, the um, elderflower and then we rosemary. added rosemary. I think we can all safely assume that we found it too sweet, so we added rosemary. Yes. So, so God knows how this is going to go down. This is the lavender one. I think I prefer that. I didn't think I would, but I do. Yeah. I think if I shut my eyes and think it's a cocktail, it makes me happy. I mean, it's basically a cocktail. No, exactly. But if I think of it as Prosecco with lavender, I'm not a fan. Yeah, no, that's nice. That's... I don't think that needs anything added to it. Lavender is a slight savoury. Maybe a tiny bit of lemon. Maybe. Mm. Oh, but well, just like, like, a twirl, like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, rind, like the rinds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can oh, see that. Unfortunately, I do not have any homegrown lemons. Fucking hell, Kim! Yeah. What is this establishment? <laughs> I should dash my drink in your face, leave, and then come back and ask no. for a kind of condom. <laughs> <laughs> what do we? I do? Oh no, we're going to talk about this. The diaphragm. I've never considered this. I've considered it several times. Okay, we'll talk about it. I haven't because we'll I have a manicure it. and I don't want to dig it out. Oh. <laughs> oh. You're so welcome. When I was reading this on Sunday, we have a WhatsApp group that is for the podcast and I sent about 80 messages. It was probably about... I was trying to have a very nice zen walk. I did tell you to ignore the phone. Oh, no, I, I, know, I, I did. I definitely <laughs> I ignored them all yes. and was waiting to hear them tonight. So, so it presents the idea that the desire to not have a period again is because of a societal or cultural reflection on this ideal that a woman shouldn't have any hmm. bodily secretions. But mm. A woman shouldn't be messy in any way. And meek and mild. Yeah, and, and should be neat and, you know, wear white no all the PMS time and run around and spring, yeah. in spring sunshine. But it doesn't, and I think this touches on what we were talking about earlier, is it doesn't examine the fact that women might not want a period again, not because of society, not because someone's standing over our shoulder telling us it's dirty to have one, but because they hurt. They're hurt or because they're, they're inconvenient or... Because, you know, you put on your nice underwear and then you get it all messed up because mm-hmm. you're not expecting it. I completely agree. And that was, I think, the text that I was like, yes, because mm-hmm. I agree with you that her argument that women don't want to appear because it makes them more attractive just didn't, it, it didn't ran completely me. false. And I was like, no, periods are messy and painful and I feel horrible when I'm on them. Yeah. And I, it doesn't mean for me personally that I don't want my period because I do want my period because I find it. A relief and you know it makes my body feel normal again like you know it having going through my cycle always kind of feels like i'm at an equilibrium and that's great for me but she does kind of make a similar point which is that one of her arguments against the pill is the idea that women have to be always attractive always ready for sex always available I like yeah, the option. I, I, that's the thing I like about the pill is I like the option of being able to have sex whenever the fuck I want. But her argument is the pressure to feel that way and is what keeps this. people. Yeah, in yeah her I, issues, I don't. Her input on sex and sexuality made me cross. And stop laughing at the fact I use the word cross. <laughs> I love it when you use the word cross because I know I'm in for something really good. Because I've tabbed them. You can tell when I'm angry because I've tabbed it in pink. <laughs> Oh, is um, pink your angry colour? Mine's entirely <laughs> uncolour coordinated. Oh, I love like the ever. cool tones of purple and blue, and then pink. 
Purple, I think blue was like, oh, I found that fact interesting. I found that one interesting. For example, one I found interesting was the fact that, and it's a pretty macabre fact, but I found it interesting, was the fact that the pill was developed out of... Um, oh, yes! Uh, uh, ...experiments by the Nazis on Jewish women in concentration camps to To, to make them infertile, them. yeah. I found that Which really interesting. dark, yeah. but I didn't know it. I didn't know that either. Um, so here are a couple of quotes from the book that I found irritating. <laughs> Not feeling sexual could lead to a desire to look exaggeratedly sexual and to appear and behave very sexually in an act of overcompensation. Such a desire can be fulfilled in part through plastic surgery. As though you take the pill, your sex drive falls, you immediately try extra hard to look sexy because that's all you're worth, and then you resort to plastic surgery. Like, this kind of... Yeah, it's a weird it's journey. A ladder. Like hard yeah, yeah, but it it was very much like, oh well, you know, if you, if you don't feel sexy, then you're going to go and get a boob job. Like it, there was no critical thinking. D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Cause and effect. Mm, no. I suppose. I suppose her point was just societal pressures to look a certain way, and then it led her to talk about that. But yes, it was a weird, a weird follow on. The other thing that really stuck out to me throughout throughout the argument was that so much of the narrative around the pill and i think this is true of our education around the pill is the quote it suggests that there are only two states in which a woman young women can choose to live on birth control pills or pregnant yeah yeah and i was like yeah when i read that i was like oh damn like that is that's how i think of that is how i think of sex education and a point that she makes in the book that i did feel was really important and potentially something that i hadn't considered because as much as i'm giving it the whole i know my body i've been on the pill like this i do it all right i have been on the pill on and off since i was 15 when i was younger like him i I mean i started my period at 10 so yeah it was gosh (laughs) yeah i've had my period for 20 fucking years so i know how she works i went on the pill at 15 that is still a good length of time for your body to get used to stuff because I was I was that's five years early. yeah but most people like Mine, she said yeah about, I mean, when did you like, I mean I was in year eight so I was like 13, 12, 13. like two years two three years is not enough time for your body to get used to and what it no, is yeah exactly before you then start messing with hormones and she makes this point of like we put girls on the pill very early before their body has had a chance to completely settle down before like when it's going through all these changes and i did think that was a really really valid point yeah me made. too and that's um, what shocked me i think because we're so preoccupied as like don't have a baby that, yeah yeah and and actually like i know this is sidetracking again but it's still in the book mm-hmm. um she talks about um we're so fixated on teenagers not having babies that almost beyond their choice, like certain women from dis- disadvantaged backgrounds or what, or or women that are maybe considered at a risk for like having babies when they're not ready, yeah, yeah. are almost given the injection, like and so a, a different contraception. But they're saying we we don't trust you on the pill. We're going to inject you with this thing so that you don't have rather than the, educating you about. Yeah sex and this and, and what, what you can do. do and your options it's just gonna be like Bleh, we sh- shove a needle in you full of hormones so that you yeah. can't reproduce so one of the criticisms that we had of the book was that she talks a lot about the evils of the pill if you like and not a hell of a lot about uh the alternatives and what people can do if they're looking to wean themselves off so she talks quite a lot about um Getting to know your body naturally and uh, these workshops that are available where you can go and stare at another woman's cervix um, and observe the changes. And I don't know about you, but I didn't really find that an attractive prospect compared to (laughs) popping a pill every month. Who has the fucking time? Who has the time? Also, you don't want to just be like, ah, Susan, I see you're three months away from the start of your cycle. Like, three months? Why would you be three months away? (laughs) (laughs) But... That didn't seem like a, a viable prospect to me. But the other one she talks about is... Um, so she talks about the use of condoms and spermicide. I have never used a spermicide in my life. No, me neither. Well, don't... Some condoms contain a mild spermicide. Oh my yes. god, you said that because I, I thought I was going to say something really stupid there. No, 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 that's true. No, some of them do. Not all of them do. Um, it depends what you use and... Could you just use spermicide? Is that mm. not an option? It depends. 
on its own is one of the lowest I shouldn't say approval ratings, that's not what I mean. Um, effectiveness. Rotten Tomatoes rating. <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, spermicide gets Basically, I'm in the market for something that isn't the pill that is, like, not a okay. condom. So you're not basically. in the market for... So you're looking to change from hormonal contraception? Yeah, I think Fine. so. Um, there's the non-hormonal coil. I don't know about you, but I feel reluctant to get anything put in me that I can't take out myself. Yes, which is the whole reason I took the pill in the first place. Yes. Because I was like, I want to have the options to stop taking it if and it doesn't agree with me. My doctor, when she recommended this to me, said it won't work for you if you have heavy periods or painful periods. Um, but the copper coil is one more, option. It's an option. Uh, another condoms. I'm just so. I, mean, I just no don't one is, want. No condoms. one is psyched about condoms. They they're they're fine. They're fine. Um. So condoms are an option. Maybe just try switching up your regular brand. Mm-hmm. There's also, and this is something that's talked about in the book, like as a um. She she pushes this as this is the main method, which I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's the calendar method. Um, which is based on knowing your most fertile times, based on taking your temperature. So there are certain times of the month that you can't get pregnant just because of biology. You should know this. You should chart this. But it involves taking your temperature every day, um, charting your vaginal secretions. Um, just, just mainly as a word thing rather than a biological thing. I just secretions is awful. The the withdrawal method which is, let's have sex, I'll pull out and spunk on your belly, or wherever, is... <sighs> right, I, I have a problem with this method, because it's pushed as being, I think it's something like 98.6 effective. It's is it? on a par, it's on a par with condoms, but, 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 that is done correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the phrase correctly carries a hell of a lot of leeway, because mm. that means you are relying on your partner to know exactly the moment when all hell is going to break loose. <laughs> Depends it on how also... much they've had to drink as well. Yes, how much they've had to drink, how uh, positions you're in, external stimuli, internal stimuli, whatever. There's a lot of things that can mess with that. And also, it's the fact that people go, oh, well, if you're having sex and he hasn't come, then you you can't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Wrong. As a statement of fact, there is still minimal sperm in pre-cum, but there is still sperm there, so you can get pregnant. So I have problems with people touting it as a method because it's it's not infallible. That's also true of, I mean, nothing is 100% effective. Mm. And I think one of the things that I did appreciate about the book is that she talked about it in combination. So she talked about the calendar method in combination with the barrier method. Mm. I think... The idea of the combination of methods is is key because mm. I think when I what I remember of sex education at school is like the best thing to do is use the pill and the condom like that's like use them together every time it protects you from STIs gives you the best yeah. chance of not Belt getting and pregnant. Braces, I believe they referred to it. That's I've so literally oh, never, I never heard had that, that. But all right. But then you know I think most people who are having any kind of intercourse have their own combination of methods. Like, some people will use condom and pill. Some people will use withdrawal pill fertility. Some people will use implant and condom or just implant but are, you know, fine with morning after pill and plan B, as it's called, you know, as the Mm -hmm. brand is in America. And then there's the, uh, I think you were probably getting onto this, Sam, as an alternative method proposed in the book and one that Alex and I have spoken about very briefly is the diaphragm. Mm. Yeah. Which I have looked into before I read this book. I've looked into since I read this book. I'm still genuinely considering. I'd like to know more about it. I really would. The NHS has a very informative page on it. it? But it's also considered such a... Or outdated. An outdated thing, which is weird because it's uh, also probably a more sustainable method. You're not... That's part of the reason why I'm interested in it. It's You know, you're not taking various hormonal supplements and then which is what the pill essentially is, and then pissing it into the into the world. And you're not throwing out a latex mm. yeah, tube you're every not doing that. Um, time. 
And you're also not being like, well, my temperature says this, so we're probably fine. Yeah. And, and there are a lot the of articles about how that didn't work because much like with using the condom, using the calendar method relies on doing it right Mm-hmm. and doing it properly and doing it responsibly ditto withdrawal ditto with the pill everyone like you you miss one or you have it late or you have it two hours late or you have it early or you take going antibiotics out. yeah, yeah. Out, or um, so nothing is perfect basically is my oh. fucking point you have to weigh the pros and cons you have each. to weigh the pros and cons and you have to have a frank discussion with the partner that you have and with yourself especially if you are having relations relations with uh, a cat if you're having casual relations and you believe the onus is on yourself if as a woman if you got pregnant which is fine and fair and what happens then you have to be okay with your decisions if you're in a relationship and you feel like the ownership should be shared then you have to have that frank conversation and if you can't have that conversation with the person that you're sleeping with or with yourself you shouldn't be having sex amen yeah so we've talked on a very broad topic tonight and we had a lot to talk about with this book. Um, so I don't think we've covered everything that we necessarily wanted to, but we've done a lot. We think it's time to wrap up. Before we do that, we want to talk about our the wines that we had or the Prosecco that we had and the sweetening thereof mm-hmm. um, and give our standard grape culture grape ratings. So um, just to recap, we had the 789 Prosecco from Mondelli. We had it straight to begin with mm-hmm. we then had it um with the saint-germain elderflower cordial and a sprig of rosemary which we have uh the cocktail that we have dubbed the yasmin <laughs> and um we followed that up with the uh lavande uh, lavender liqueur from manguin distillery in france both french liqueurs um what well, first of all, what did everyone think? We'll start from the end. What did everyone think of the lavender one? Because it's the only one we've not spoken about yet. I found the lavender with the Prosecco much more enjoyable than the elderflower, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. It was a good accompaniment, I think, because the elder f- no, because the Prosecco was really, really sweet because of that peach fruitiness. Mm-hmm. And although lavender... Lavender's... I guess it is sweet, but it it's not in the same way so Mm. it kind of it it was a nice contrast whereas the elderflower was sweet in that kind of same sickly way as the as the prosecco was so i thought that there was it wasn't quite as good so i would say rating wise i would give the uh the lavon liqueur and the um prosecco 3.5 see i think that's fair what you mean about um lavender being not quite sweet and i think it's because Lavender is not as a common taste. It's a very mm. common smell, but it's not a common taste. And so it is a bit more unusual. And it actually is a little bit savoury. And it can be used in place of rosemary in a lot of cooking. I liked the lavender with the Prosecco, and I would definitely do that again. Yes. Um, I had kind of reached a peak, I think, of Prosecco <laughs> by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think that I would probably give, yeah, I think 3.5 of, of yeah. Yeah, I agree. 3.5, 3.5. 3. 5. Alex? Um, I'm going to go straight in there. I agree, 3.5. Nice. I enjoyed it. It was sweet and savoury, like we said. Um, it was very palatable. Do we know of a name for lavender liqueur and prosecco? Or do we need to give that cocktail a name on its own? I don't know of one, but I made a lavender and earl grey gin once. And that was great. And for some reason, lavender as a general scent and smell and taste reminds me of Dorian Gray. So I I kind of want to call it the Dorian. But that's gonna, my was, On the basis of that, I was going to pitch for the, the Lady Grey. Nice. Ooh, Lady Grey. But Lady Grey is a tea with a very different oh, taste. Is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. it's a very different taste. Let's go for the, the Dorian then. The Dorian. The Lady Grape. Lady Grape. For the grape. Lady Grape culture. Grape culture. The Lady Grape. The lady I grape. like the lady grape. The lady grape. I'll take yeah, that. that. The lady grape. Okay. The lady grape. The lady grape. The lady grape and the yasmin. The nice. lady grape. Three point five. So the second cocktail we had, like, well, the first actually, uh, was the yasmin, which was the elderflower liqueur with the prosecco, and then with a couple of sprigs of rosemary in it. Um, what did you guys think of that? What is your rating? On its own, without the rosemary, it was not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think because 
like as I said, prosecco. The prosecco that we chose was mm. quite sweet, yes. and the elderflower liqueur is quite sweet. I've yes. had elderflower liqueur in gin. Gin is a more savoury taste. Well, gin is very good. Um, at least for me, the ones that I like. So it makes quite a nice contrast. I didn't like it on the same, but when you added the rosemary, first of all, I felt very fancy and that made it better. So with the rosemary as the Yasmin as proper um, 3.5 as well, I think. Ooh, 3.5 as well. Alex, how about you? Um, I think, well, I agree with Kim, like beforehand, not so much. But when we added the rosemary, I'm going to not go as high as a 3.5. I'm going to go for a 3. Yes, I think with a bit longer for that rosemary to steep because it got oh, yeah, that's true. better as it went. But the problem is we, we poured it and then we went, ah, rosemary! And then we put a couple of leaves in and then went, ooh, let's continue drinking. I think if that were left to sit for a bit with some ice, some nice crushed ice, I would give it a probably a four, actually. I really enjoyed ooh. it. But uh, because of the nature of the podcast and everything else, I'm going to give it... Um, I, I will give it a 3.5 as well. I, I enjoyed it as much as the lavender. Yeah. Once we had the rosemary in. And the Prosecco on its own. What do we think? Yeah, three. Three. Three's across the board. So, Sweetening the Pill is the name of the book. Again, by Holly Griggs Spall. We have to give our usual great culture rating out of five. So, I completely understand that someone's own experiences may not be relatable to yours. And that doesn't make them any less valid. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like the treatment of your own experiences as the only experience does make your experiences less valid because you're not acknowledging other people which is why I didn't relate to the book Mm -hmm. and why I found it difficult to acknowledge the arguments not acknowledge but engage with I suppose so I am going to give book a 2 out of 5 Okay. It's weird because it has come at a time where I'm accidentally on a break from my pill so I suppose I was more open to hear about her argument and most of it although be it like some of it's quite american stuff like that like a lot of it did relate to me and was an awakening that i hadn't expected to feel because i wasn't aware of it and i like shook myself that i was like shit i wasn't aware of all this stuff that has been happening in my body and I've been putting in my body. But at the same time, I wasn't engaged in the book as I might have been um, for various other reasons. I think I'm going to give it a 2.5. 2.5. Okay. Middle of the road. Middle of the road. I think I might actually question my pill-taking choices. Yeah, it's obviously had an impact on your perception. Yeah, it has. Um, contraception, which is but just... it's not a groundbreaking book mm. for me. So... I personally feel like the book itself, the message and what it's being talked about and the research and the argument was all very important and powerful and a little bit groundbreaking and definitely eye-opening for me. Mm -hmm. And for that, like, I really, really appreciate this book. I think it's quite difficult sometimes to rate a book where you don't necessarily agree with how it's written, but you do agree with what was written. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of messages in it that I didn't fully agree with, but there was, I mean, given by the amount of tabs that I had, the fact that I wanted to talk about it, the the how much I saw myself in it, I really, really, really did appreciate this book. But it had a lot of flaws in it, and it was a bit of a slog to get through because of that, which is also true of a lot of non-fiction. Yeah. So I found it very hard to rate this when I finished reading it and I find it still very hard to rate this I'm somewhere between a 3 and 3.5 I I think that I will give it a 3 which as we know from previous things is is my rating for good would recommend it to the right person so thank you for listening to this episode tonight Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us on social media we are on Instagram we are at Grape Culture Podcast we are on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod so don't forget to come back in two weeks when we're going to have a brand new episode for you but until then thank you very much for listening and good night Bye. bye